Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Friday here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet with Drew Dinsick, the Whale Capper. I'm your host, Sarah Perlman, and we are not messing around today. We have a packed, exciting show. We're going to hear from Kenny Ducey. He's back with us to handicap a really busy night in the NBA. So we're going to find out of all the nine matchups tonight, which on the board he's targeting. It's also Championship Friday in college football, so that means it's not really Friday. It's actually Thursday. Thor Nystrom coming on to tell us which games have the most value on the board using his adjusted Thor line, better known as the ATL. And there's a pretty intriguing card in UFC Fight Night on Saturday, and Steve Ricciardi is going to stop by and let us know which fights he has circled. We also have our edge of the day where Drew Dinsick has been ridiculously red hot in the NBA, so that's coming up all here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. Rubbing the hands together. It's a fantastic Friday here. What are you most looking forward to this weekend, Drew? It's tough to really pinpoint it. It's such a great weekend. Uh, and honestly, uh, you know, next couple weekends, you know, you could spend time with family, go to holiday parties, blah, blah, blah. This weekend, you sit down, you watch college football all day Saturday. You watch NBA Saturday night. You watch NFL all day Sunday. Oh, excuse me, MMA card in the, you know, in the uh, primetime spot here for us on the West Coast. So I'm extremely excited about the sports weekend ahead and uh, everything we're going to learn today. Always learn something new when we talk to our MMA handicapping friends as well. So uh, it's going to be great. Congratulations to you on your Dak Prescott over attempts last night. That was an absolute no sweater. I think you deserved better on your over personally. I think there were some points left on the field by those teams, but that is okay. We ride into we move the weekend. On Dak Prescott and your Spurs saved me. What I'm most looking forward to for the weekend, by the way, obviously all of the sports, but also to go to the mall near me because I need better shirts. I pride myself on being a well-dressed person, Drew, but the shirt you have on today is hands down the best one we're going to see. Warren uh, Sharp inspired me yesterday. He had the teddy bear skiing, and I was like, I have a penguin skiing shirt. I'll have to bust that out for tomorrow's Friday show, so here we are. Penguin okay, skiing. Okay, so yeah, Warren brings out the <laughs> Ralph Lauren Teddy's skiing. Now you have penguin skiing. So what I wear on Monday, you guys better tune in to find out. Something and something will be skiing on my shirts. Okay, let's see what Kenny Ducey's wearing. We're going to welcome in to talk about the NBA. Kenny, happy Friday. Love the shirt. Okay, 76ers. Let's start here with uh, them playing the Atlanta Hawks. And this is a fascinating game for me when I looked back and how the 76ers have been playing. They are coming off of a one-point loss in Boston, now continuing on their road trip facing the Atlanta Hawks. Money's coming kind of on both sides here. 76ers plus 105 on the money line. Going to be obviously a tight, contested game. Where do you see an edge in tonight's matchup? 
Yeah, I, I love the shirt, and I got to get skiing this winter. That's that's my my goal for the winter is to ski more. Uh, look, here's the thing: the 76ers have been a completely different team with Joel Embiid back, which is no surprise. But the biggest part of this team that's different is that they're fifth in defensive efficiency in those three games. They struggled on offense, right? But I think what we know about this team is that Joel Embiid, you know, it, it, he had over 40 points in his first game back, right? It's it's not going to take him any time to readjust to the NBA. He's going to be a prolific scorer. Now, Trey Young has been sneaky good, but I do like that, the, you know, the 76ers do defend well around the perimeter. They will lock up the paint for those drives and those second opportunities for Clint Capella. And I think ultimately, you know, this is just, again, this is an offense that survived for a while, at least, without Joel Embiid, an offense that has enough firepower with its shooting. I think that we see here a little bit of luck go the 76ers way. I think they've gotten a little unlucky. They're, they're finally all healthy. It's going to take them just a few games to really, you know, really gel, really get together and start to play, you know, build that chemistry and play good basketball. And I think that this is one of those games. I think we saw it in Boston. You know, some some great uh, some great stretches in that game that they could have easily won. I think that this is the game where they finally, you know, pull it off and look like the 76ers team that's going to go, you know, maybe deep into the playoffs. Whether or not you end up taking action on this game, and I think you found the right side. Uh, I think this is an important one to watch because these were your two Eastern Conference semifinalists last year. Obviously, a very memorable series, and both have had a, kind of stumbled out of the gates, I guess is a polite way to put it. <laughs> it's kind of hovering around 500, uh, and surely the Hawks had a huge rest advantage on Wednesday eked it out against the Pacers uh, and the Pacers are not a good team so yeah uh, I, I hate the Pacers this year I think I agree with you I think that that's not a good measuring stick for the Hawks uh, they don't play nice very good sweat. defense we wanted a nice sweat on a Wednesday I know there you go. Right. well it's, it's games like the Spurs game last night I mean what fun is that you know if, if you bet the if you bet the Memphis Grizzlies against Oklahoma you really were t- tuned in after the first quarter no you turned off the you turned off the TV that's not that's no fun. Um, I'd rather game... lose on Knicks plus two and watch that third quarter than win on the Spurs and not even want to watch, right? There you go. Exactly. Agree to you... disagree. We'll agree to disagree on this. <laughs> well, win. Yeah. <laughs> right. The, uh, a, a one, another one that should be massively entertaining and that is lined right around to pick them right now and has, had again, seen some very, very solid two-way action is the battle for LA. Clippers take on the Lakers. Interestingly, this one was flexed out of the uh, primetime spot on ESPN for Warriors Suns and Warriors Suns, obviously a much broader spread. (laughs) So uh, funny how that works out. But uh, Lakers expecting LeBron James back. Clippers look to be mm, reasonably full strength. Paul George, at least, is going to be in. Nicholas Batum, the only meaningful guy out. The market movement of late would suggest Anthony Davis probably goes, although he is always a question mark whether he plays the full game anyway or heads to the locker room at some point. Odds on that he goes to the locker room. What is your uh, general handicap here between the Clippers and the Lakers that that is uh, lined right around a pick yeah, I'll definitely take the plus 130 on Anthony Davis going going off into the locker room. Um, look, I, I think that this is the game where the Clippers show up and, and they show everybody that they're a, a legit team, right? They're a good team. I think I think people forget how good this team is. And when you take a look at the way that they've been battered by injuries all year, and then, you know, you have that, you know, they had a couple losses to the Pelicans as big favorites, which were really surprising to me, a bad defensive team they weren't able to get through. I think that, you know, they kind of played down to some of their opponents. They're going to play up here. They're going to fight hard against the Los Angeles Lakers. 
And they don't have Nick Batum here, but they do have Paul George, who's playing like an MVP this season. And their backcourt has also been really good. We've seen Eric Bledsoe provide a big spark to this team. Their defense, right, has also just been outstanding all season long. And that's one thing that has translated game to game. You know, their offense has kind of fluctuated. They miss Kawhi Leonard with the spacing that he can provide. But the Lakers do not play good defense. We know for a fact that Russell Westbrook is a big liability out there, likes to push the pace. And that can, in turn, help games get away from the Lakers, right, because the pace is so vast that if you have just the smallest discrepancy between these two teams, it really gets magnified with all the possessions. Anyway, I do think the Clippers are just head and shoulders better on both sides of the floor. You also have the added bonus that Anthony Davis may not play. But ever since getting Marcus Morris back in the lineup, the Clippers now are able to play him at the small ball five. They're able to play small ball. And that type of lineup is going to be very effective against the Lakers team that, you know, really just isn't going to run very bit, very many big men out there. Uh, they have gotten gashed at times by, you know, by post players because they really just, they don't really don't have any way to defend in the post. They don't like playing in the post. And they were sort of forced to do that because they had injuries to Marcus Morris and then Serge Ibaka. I think now those two guys coming back is going to be a big lift. And I think that we're, once again, I'm very high on the Clippers. I know they're 11 and 11. I think they're going to finish this season as one of the five best teams in the West. I really do believe that. And once Kawhi Leonard comes back, I, I think this team could actually win the finals. So I, I really am high on the Clippers this year. Okay, so like them tonight and obviously down the stretch and in the Western Conference. Money's coming on the other side. Clippers now plus 105, probably because of Anthony Davis and what we're discussing. I want to ask you about this one team in the Brooklyn Nets. Thanks to my co-host, Drew Dinsick, I've, I've followed the NBA a little bit more as of late. I watched them play the Suns. I then watched a kind of nail-biter at the end of the game when they played the New York Knicks on Tuesday. And now they're playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. Timberwolves are getting seven. Now seven and a half money's come in on the Brooklyn Nets. I'm curious to hear your handicap in this game because the Brooklyn Nets, yes, while their record shows that they're a good team and obviously it's a star-studded roster, excuse me, I'm not convinced that I love this Brooklyn Nets team. So your thoughts on, on them tonight and then also in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I sort of agree with you. I'm bearish on them in the interim anyway, without Joe Harris. Joe Harris is one of the best outside shooters in the league. And I know that we haven't really seen that impact sort of, you know, manifest itself yet, but when you look at the matchups that they've had, I mean, look, here's the thing about the Nets. They take the fewest shots inside of 10 feet in the league right now. They do not like to shoot inside. They like to shoot outside, they like to play around the perimeter. And really what you what you end up seeing is that these teams that, you know, can manage to body them inside can come close to beating them, if not beat them. I do think that the, the shooting of Harris is going to be a big loss. Patty Mills is not going to have the sort of consistency to be able to pull away in this game. And look, it, you know, the line would indicate that Carl Anthony Towns is going to play. But either way, we know that the Timberwolves are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. They rank seventh in defensive efficiency. And that is the type of thing that translates with or without stars in the lineup. And as long as, you know, they don't have zero bigs, right? And Jared Vanderbilt probable for this game. There's an illness going around with the Timberwolves. As long as they're relatively full strength, and it seems like they'll probably have Carl Anthony Towns for this game as well the way that, you know, the, the line is moving and the way that this, his status is trending, I think that I would absolutely have no hesitation taking the Timberwolves here. Again, I do like the Nets. I think that they'll probably win this game. But, you know, when you are talking about an elite defensive team, getting, you know, eight points or seven and a half, as it may be, that is way too many to give a team that, that's going to have, you know, a good job, to do a good job of stopping some of these prolific scores that the Nets have. And I was there in person at, at Knicks Nets. And I can tell you that James Harden, you know, absolutely gashed the Knicks. That, that's not something with the rim protection that the Timberwolves have with the exterior defense that they have. It's going to really happen. I mean, obviously, James Harden's probably going to get his, right? But I don't know if there's a 40-point game on the horizon for either of these guys the way that this team's played defense. The Knicks have just been a, a terrible defensive team, and I think it makes it look 
you know, it makes this Nets team look good, right, when you play a bad defense. So I think that we'll see some of the reverse happen here against a very good defense. Okay, well, you're spooking me because we're going head-to-head on this one. All right. I got some Nets in pocket. <laughs> I grabbed him at seven. Maybe as as we get the confirmation of Carl Anthony Towns' status, I may regret playing the seven. And it's good. I could see this come back down to earth here. But the uh, the flu-like symptoms swirling. I know. Yeah, they're, they're very sick. The Not big yet. numbers haven't been kind to me, though. But the favorites haven't covered a lot in the NBA. And, you know, the big numbers especially. So I don't know. Yeah, Minnesota yeah. with the flu-like symptoms swirling looks like a problem. And on top of that, Brooklyn completely rested right now. So decent chance here that, yeah, sometimes rested teams, they know that they're going to win whenever they flip the switch. And the Nets have been doing that a lot this season and just waiting till the last minute of a game and then flipping the switch, which would lead to a, you know, maybe a three to five point win instead of a eight point win, which I would like. So it's going to be fun to see it either way. You know, best of luck to you tonight, Sarah. You, what do you think, uh, Nets or uh, or T-Wolves here? I'm going to have to keep a close eye on both the illness that's now swarming the T-Wolves as well as the news on Carl Anthony Towns. I'm going to follow this line throughout the day, as we said, now around 11.15 Eastern, 7.5. Keep an eye on that live movement. That will kind of tell you exactly who's available for tonight and who's playing on both sides. Kenny, best of luck with all of your plays. Kenny's on Twitter, at Kenny Ducey. He has a lot of his NBA handicaps available on NBCSportsEdge.com. Definitely check those out. Have a great weekend, Kenny. You guys as well. And uh, you confused the heck out of me. I thought it was Thursday today now that you were saying all those things about Drew's talking about his Friday shirt tomorrow. So let's get let's get the Friday Friday rolling here. We're going to get the Friday Thursday. rolling. It's, it's Thursday, Friday, but it's Thursday. That's the <laughs> yeah. difference. It's very difficult. It's a U and an O, I understand. I probably need to pronounce that better. Thor's coming on in just a minute. Guys, it's a huge weekend on the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet is giving you a chance to win over one million dollars this weekend it starts on saturday in premier league and with the big 12 sec and big 10 championships and then on sunday one million dollars is up for grabs on sunday night seven in the broncos and chiefs matchup so download the predictor app from your app store or visit nbcsports.com predictor for more info Thursday. That's who we bring on. Thor Nystrom. Let's break down the college football conference championships. And a lot of people are probably wanting to get to the Big 12 and so many other things in Big 10. But we're going to start with Conference USA tonight, Thor. And that's where Western Kentucky is laying three and a half points versus UTSA. And I do really, in fact, I'm always fascinated looking at your adjusted Thor line because there are a lot of times where there's a big discrepancy between the line available on points bet and what you think is a fair number. But here, when I looked earlier this morning, you have Western Kentucky laying three and a half points. So it's pretty spot on. Is it still worth taking a flyer? We know these lines are so sharp coming down to the conference championship games. But in your opinion, is there still value on grabbing Western Kentucky in the three and a half points tonight versus UTSA? I do think it's worth looking at Western Kentucky. I do think they're worth a look here. For me, this is a style, styles make fights kind of a game. I, I know we're going to be talking, you guys are going to be talking about UFC here in a second. So maybe this one can set us up for that a little bit. Western Kentucky has one of the best passing offenses in the nation. As you guys know, Bailey Zappi, the three other uh, wide receivers they brought over from Houston Baptist, the offensive coordinator, you know, that whole thing. They've been awesome, throwing for 5,000 plus yards, et cetera. But they have an awful run defense, one of the nation's worst run defenses. Meanwhile, you go to UTSA, they have an awesome run game, but they have a very mediocre passing uh, defense. And so the, you have this strength on weakness sort of bonanza on both sides. We saw a bonanza of, of points in the, in the first game where UTSA won 52 to 46. Bailey Zappi threw for over uh, 500 yards with five touchdowns in that game. The only mistake he made was with three minutes left driving to win the game. He threw his only interception of that game. But since then, ever since then, Western Kentucky has won seven straight games 
all by 15 or more points. Meanwhile, UTSA, they were 11 and 0. Last week, they're going for 12 and 0, you know, like which should be a big deal to them. They absolutely no showed that game against North Texas, which I, I still don't understand. They're just a lacking effort on the field. Lost that game by 18 points. I think their motivation has to be an open ended question because you can't just flip it on and off like, like a light switch. Whereas Western Kentucky is coalescing at the right time. And it makes sense that they would since they, they imported their entire offense from the FCS over the offseason. I like Western Kentucky in this game. Styles make fights. Western Kentucky is an aggressive. They bring the fight to you. And you know what? You should check out the adjusted Thor lines earlier in the week because this was a pick on that one point. And now it is over three and a half. And if you don't recognize the degree to which that move matters and having that much value in your pocket, then you need to find another profession besides handicapping college football. Uh, there is a awesome matchup between Houston and Cincinnati. And I have seen pretty lopsided action among sort of the kind of professionals and respected people that I follow all giving Houston a puncher's chance to get the upset here against Cincinnati. Now, obviously Cincinnati is playing for a lot more, a win and a cover here likely punches their ticket to the college football playoff question mark. I guess, do you read this as a, a spot where Cincinnati may play a little bit tight and Houston has a shot or is this uh, you know, just back the Bearcats and, and forget about it. For me, it's Houston. Um, yeah, I, if, if I was Cincinnati, you cannot sleep on this Houston team. They've won 11 straight games. They're another one of these white-hot teams, sort of like Western Kentucky. They've won 11 straight games since they lost their opener against Texas Tech. In those 11 games, they won by 22 points per game average, the, the average margin. I think what people are sort of missing about this Houston team is you think about Dana Holgerson, you think about like, you know, he's heading into year three. This is year three right now. He's an offensive coach. You usually think about the passing offense and Houston's passing offense has been pretty good. But the thing about the, that, that has led to the resurgence of this team is that their defense is just as good as Cincinnati's. Uh, Houston's uh, defense ranks 15th SP plus Cincinnati's ranks 10th. So, so they are right in the same phylum. These teams also have basically the same special teams aggregate rating for the entire unit. There is a bit of a difference. With, with the offense uh, since he's 13th SP plus Houston's 43rd but again Houston has a little bit of that trump card with that passing offense you know to, to potentially get them out of some of the third and long sticky situations they could get in these teams both play pretty uh, slow and methodically Cincinnati ranks number 72 in adjusted tempo Houston ranks 110th and so one thing that I, I, I think people should keep an eye on one sort of quirk of the game especially when when you're looking at getting an underdog of a the double digits like like I'm sort of suggesting that you do here with Houston is that Houston has one of the best red zone defenses in the entire nation. They're in the top 20 of red zone defense. They're one of only 10 teams in the nation that allowed more red zone field goals than either red zone passing touchdowns or uh, rushing touchdowns in the red zone. Other teams in that list, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Penn State. Pretty good list, right? Well, Cincinnati is just about the, the best team where, where you would want to hold them to field goal attempts in, in the red zone because Cincinnati ranks 129th out of 130 in field goal value per kick. Cincinnati's kickers have gone five for 11 uh, this season on field goals, and they've also missed an extra point. So if Houston can just hold uh, Cincinnati to maybe two or three, of, you know, if they're lucky, but even two more uh, field goal attempts, you know, whereas another team would have given up a touchdown, Cincinnati definitely could repay you on, on the other end of that by not only not getting the touchdown but also missing a chip shot field goal all these different things going on you're, you're getting 10 and a half points from a team that's 11 and one that we haven't seen struggle since the beginning of september i really like houston to stay within the number here okay so real quick follow does cincinnati belong in the college football playoff and do you think they will ultimately get in 
If they win this game, absolutely. Yeah, but they cannot sleep on Houston. This Houston team is legitimate. So if Cincinnati wins this game and they've already beaten Notre Dame, they, they have one of the marquee wins of the entire you know season for anyone, you have to put them in for sure. And I recall when you handicapped that Cincinnati-Notre Dame game, we went head-to-head. You, of course, came out on top with Cincy there. I don't forget my losses, unfortunately, Thor. Nor do um, I. <laughs> I. I do think that it's interesting to look at the under in this game as well. Money's coming on that, obviously, then with the points, which go hand-in-hand, taking the underdog and money coming in on that under. I believe this opened at 55 and a half, or 55, rather, looking at 52 and a half on the board. I'm excited to watch this game, kind of rooting for Cincinnati to get in the playoffs. I won't lie. Let's head to the Mountain West, where I, I said at the beginning of the show, we started talking about the Conference USA game where there wasn't a huge discrepancy between the numbers with the adjusted Thor line and, of course, what's available now. But there's still a lot of value on the San Diego State game. And I looked this morning, San Diego State still laying six. They're playing Utah State. But this is fascinating because you have San Diego State laying close to 10 points, over 10 points, rather, in your model. What are you so... I guess, in love with the San Diego State offense that you think they should be favored by 10 points here? More their defense and their special teams, because San Diego State, they're kind of like the Iowa Hawkeyes, you know, of, of the G5, just in sure. terms of the way they play. And against Utah State here, I, I think it matches up really well for them because Utah State is a team where they, when they've gone up in competition, they've really struggled. And San Diego State is always taking care of competition lower than them. So a couple stats for you guys. Utah State has only played two teams that are ranked right around where San Diego State is. My system, ATL, has San Diego State as the 50th overall team in the nation. So Utah State played BYU, who's 42nd and Boise State, who's 43rd. They lost those two games by 19 points per game. So 38 points combined in, in those two games, in those two losses. Meanwhile, San Diego State, when they play teams that are ranked lower than 50th in, in my system, and by the way, uh, Utah State ranks 82nd. So when San Diego State is playing teams lower than 50th this season, they went 8-0 and and they won by 12 points per game winning margin. Utah State has a one-handed offense. Um, they have this slot, Devin Tompkins, this breakout uh, sort of star, who has 1,500 receiving yards. He's had a great season. But outside of that, uh, just sort of manufacturing touches for Tompkins, it's sort of pray for rain with that offense. You guys, we've talked th- this season about how San Diego State's defense shuts down offenses that are one-handed. Utah State's offense is about as one-handed as you can possibly get. Meanwhile, Utah State's defense – they're really poor against the pass and they rank 127th again out of 130th in rushing explosion against San Diego State's offense, obviously led by the run, but the Essex have been throwing a lot better down the stretch. Their last five games, 43 yards uh, passing more than their season average on average. I, I like San Diego State to win this game by double digits. I love it. Well, I know you ha- you uh, you have San Diego. I know you're in Minnesota where it's quite cold, but uh, you have San Diego in spirit. So uh, it makes sense that you're back in the Aztecs in San Diego State here. Uh, <laughs> speaking of cold, the cold weather Big Ten going to be decided at a dome. Doesn't really feel right, but that's fine. This is going to be going off in the Lucas Oil Stadium here, the Big Ten Championship to be decided between the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Michigan Wolverines. Your adjusted door line on Michigan last week against Ohio State led me to make some pretty irresponsibly large bets on the Michigan Wolverines, so I thank you for that. Uh, And I see you have a little bit of an edge with your line here with Michigan over Iowa, but I have a funny feeling that there is a letdown coming here and you have a betting angle against the Wolverines in this contest. You're right, Will, for for sure. Yeah, Michigan coming off the biggest win of the Harbaugh era. Now you have to turn around and you have to play basically the opposite kind of a team of Ohio State that on the broadcast last week and all week leading up to that, 
uh, people were talking about this is what Jim Harbaugh had evolved to beat. He, he had evolved to beat Ohio State, get more defensive backs, get more defensive speed, get converted safeties, playing linebackers, roll, you know, sideline to sideline, that, that kind of stuff, more, more speed on, on defense, stuff like that. Now you after that, it's not only the letdown spot, but now you have to turn around and face a team that is on the opposite end of the polarity, right? This thing was described as an evolution, evolution, evolution to climb one specific mountain. Right. But now you have to, to climb this other thing where, where people are just sort of pretending in their minds like it's a hill. It's this hill that they're, they're just going to crawl over and get into the college football playoff. I don't think it's going to be that easy. Iowa is going to force Michigan to turn t- sort of turn, you know, Harbaugh, turn the clock back to the Stanford days, the earlier time in, in his Michigan t- uh, tenure. And I don't know if, if that defense is as equipped uh, to, to, to face this sort of an offense where it's in the box. You think about like Aiden Hutchinson and the other edge rushers pinning their ears back and then how that plays, the, the quick pressure, how that plays into all the good defensive backs that Michigan uh, has where they have one of the best, best pass, not, not only pass rushes in, in the nation, but one of the best pass defenses. Iowa takes advantage of teams like that. If you're too aggressive on the edges, Iowa's tackles haven't been great this year, but with their wide zone running, They'll simply just escort you backwards. They they will move or they will use your momentum against you. And then Tyler Goodson, their running back, he's going to find the cutback lanes. Um, it, you know, if indeed that happens. Meanwhile, Aiden Hutchinson and those guys, they can't do that thing where it's just you know every single play pinning pinning the ears back, etc. Just because of the way that the Iowa plays. Meanwhile, Iowa has one of the best run defenses in the nation, which obviously you need uh, to to slow down. Uh, Michigan, we talked last week about one of the reasons that Michigan was a good matchup for Ohio State was Michigan had a top 10 pass defense. Well, Iowa has a top 10 run defense, which which matches up well against Michigan here. And I was number eight in the nation in rushing yards allowed per carry. And, and then, you know, you think about Michigan when their running game has not been doing well, their pass game always plays down. Meanwhile, when Iowa's defense is playing well, they have a Iowa has a top five special teams as well. That ends up helping out their offense because then they end up winning the field position game and everything like that. We get caught in recency bias, I think, sometimes. And obviously last week, you know, it was huge for Michigan and, you know, and stuff like that. But think back to earlier this season, Rutgers, Nebraska, and Penn State all kept it within four points of Michigan. Obviously, uh, Michigan State beat uh, the Wolverines. I think Iowa matches up as good or better against the Wolverines than any of those teams. Again, Iowa's the opposite of Ohio State. That is what they, what Michigan evolved to beat. They did beat them, um, but now bouncing back here, I, I think they could be in for a letdown spot. I like Iowa to keep this a lot closer than than the public thinks, and Michigan better not sleep on the Hawkeyes tomorrow. Yeah, good defense, now 11 points. This was opened at 10, 10 and a half, looking at 11. I will tail you on this and take the 11 points with the underdog in the Iowa Hawkeyes, and we can't thank you enough for a big winner you gave us last week, taking the points with Michigan uh, against Ohio State. So just really quick recap for those listening. Western Kentucky laying three and a half tonight. Take Houston with the points. San Diego State lay in the six, and Thor has Iowa in line with his adjusted Thor line, getting the 11 tomorrow. Thor, you're the best. Thor is on Twitter at Thorku. And be sure to read all of his uh, conference championship articles up on NBC Sports Edge, of course, using that adjusted Thor line we're referring to. Have a great weekend, Thor. Best of luck with all these bets. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. We appreciate you listening to us here on Bet the Edge. Wherever you're listening or watching, rate the podcast, of course, sign up. We're giving you actionable information in just about 30 minutes or less. The lines move quick. Sign up. Get an edge with us here. And of course, hit us up on Twitter as well. We mentioned it off the top. There's a lot going on this weekend. You've got a winner. You've got a tip. Drop it in my DMs and I will ride with you and we will, you know, make that Christmas money. Absolutely. Make that Christmas money so we can get more fascinating shirts to wear. Just ravishing. Okay? I can't get over it. Um, we're going to break down UFC fight night. We're covering it all here on Bet the Edge on this Friday. Steve Ritardi now joins us and really appreciate the time. I was so excited when I saw some of your plays last night and earlier this morning. I was looking through because your girl loves a good parlay. Not the best way to bet, but trust me. I dabble. Um, Steve, that's where I'm going to start with you. What exactly is this money-making parlay going on for you in the UFC fight night tomorrow night? Well, again, Sarah, sometimes we have to play parlays because the lines are just too wide. So I think we put a couple of these together and we can get plus 200 odds uh, on these plays. So Jim Crute is in uh, a great spot with Jamal Hill. Um, He has a clear ground advantage. And again, I'm going to use some video game analogies here, you know, kind of point out the discrepancies. If once this this fight gets to the ground, Jim Crute should be able to work his ground game, work his, his top control. He averages 4.97 takedowns per 15 minutes, and his takedown accuracy is 80%. So once it gets to the ground, you know, Jamal Hill should be a fist out of water. And again, math, MMA math doesn't always work, but Paul Craig is a common opponent. Jimmy Crute was able to finish Paul Craig pretty early. Jamal Hill actually had his elbow dislocated by, by Paul Craig in his last fight. Um, I also think he may be coming back a little bit too soon here. Uh, in the next part of the parlay, Alonzo Menafield has a, a just a more physical fighter than than William Knight. He has, you know, 85% takedown defense, so he shouldn't get taken down. This should stay on the feet, and he should be able to to beat William Knight somewhat easily on the feet. And and I honestly, I'm I'm kind of predicting a first round knockout, KO, TKO. You want me to keep going the last leg, Brendan yeah. Allen? Of course, okay. I'm writing it down. So I'm listening <laughs> as you as go. go. Well, and and I'd throw Brendan Allen in the last leg. He's he's a little wider. Those odds are wider. Uh, Chris Curtis had an upset victory his last time out. He was able to knock out Phil Hawes, but Phil Hawes was had plenty of success on the feet before. You know, he got caught with an inside inside. I believe it was a left that that put him out. Brendan Allen again. There's a clear ground advantage. So that that video game attribute. You know, his power bar is all the way up on that that ground advantage, and he should be able to get this fight down to the ground and submit him uh, whenever he wants. So those three in a parlay, I believe, is about plus 212. I like it, man. So Crute, Menefield, Allen, 
the three faves that really sing to you. We'll bundle them together and get a, a nice plus money payday on that portion of the card. The main card features a lightweight bout between Brad Riddell and Rafael Fiziev. Surprised to see the market movement here. Uh, and really, I'm not sure which way to lean. I did a brief handicap on this. Uh, right now, looking at uh, Riddell at about minus 104, Fiziev minus 125. These guys match up extremely closely in terms of significant strikes and takedowns in general. What, uh, Where do you land in terms of who has the advantage in this uh, effectively pick a match? And you know what? I think this is the people's main event. Everybody wants to see this. So if you're an MMA fan, this is going to be a striking delight. Fiziev is actually the striking coach and has coached Riddell in the past. So they've trained together. So mm. this is a very close matchup. I think, again, the video game analogy here is there's a clear cardio advantage for Riddell. So round three, I'm already scoring for Riddell. Let's say there's no finish early. Round three goes to Riddell. The first two rounds are going to come down to who get, who can get the volume um, striking going. And as good as Fiziev is, Riddell usually outstrikes his opponents in terms of volume. So as long as the damage doesn't add up for Fiziev early, and again, Riddell is better on the ground also, in my opinion. So again, he has kind of two paths to winning those first two rounds, striking volume and also that takedown upside. So if he can secure that takedown, I think he wins round one or round two, and he definitely gets round three, wins a three-round decision. Okay, love it. Let's head to the preliminary or heavyweight bout. This is fascinating because just looking how Mirzakhanov has done as of lately, he's a big favorite coming off of a big win back in August via TKO. He's now laying 225, as I mentioned, big number. And as like most kind of you said off the top with UFC fights and big favorites, it's normally best to attack them in a parlay or win by TKO, what be it. So how are you attacking a big favorite in a heavyweight bout for fight night? There's a barking dog here. So again, I'm on, I'm on Jared Vandera. The reason is, is not because of his skill level. The reason is because of the, the difference. He has a clear physical advantage here. The problem here is that Vandera is going to have a 35 to 40 pound weight advantage when they haven't weighed in yet. But Azamat is, was supposed to fight at light heavyweight, which is, which is only 205 pounds. Vandera is going to weigh in at 265. So even if Azamat doesn't cut much weight, what is he going to come in at? 220, 225? He's gonna, it's going to be 35, 40, maybe even 45-pound weight advantage. Vandras also possesses six inches in height, nine inches in reach. So, again, he's not as fast, but I think his his physical advantage, he can push him up against the cage, um, maybe even go, go for a takedown. Those are all things, clear paths to victory. This is really more a, a dog play because the physical traits, I don't know if, if Azamat is going to be able to overcome those. Okay, fantastic. So I'm already learning some stuff. I loved the significant strike differential you know, angle on Riddell. This is uh, impressive to look uh, look for this uh, this nice money line dog here. But the main event, I think, is really what people are most interested in. We have uh, Rob Font taking on Jose Aldo Font right now, minus 143 favorite. Aldo, obviously a very popular fighter. He's been you know a very uh, prolific fighter. Um, yep. He came off of three losses this time last year. Got back into the winning ways. Win, you know, coming in winning. Uh, two straight most recently has his form improved enough to where we can expect you know a longer fight here obviously both of aldo's recent wins were by points uh font in general wins by points uh what is the the correct angle to attack the main event on the vegas fight night card well drew you gave me the perfect setup there because there's a clear volume advantage here okay uh the thing about aldo is he only fights the upper echelon of the division that he's fighting in and again, everybody knows him really for the Conor McGregor fight. He was able to kind of knock him out within the first 13 seconds, right? Most, most people know Aldo for that. 
but he was at the top of that division for forever. You know what I mean? And now he's dropping down in weight. He's actually cutting more weight to try to, to fight in this division. And I think he's just, he found somebody in Rob Font who's going to be a better striker and keeps distance better than Aldo does. Again, this, to me, this is a distance fight and it's a volume fight. So the, the segue is Font averages 5.58 strikes landed per minute. Aldo averages 3.63 strikes landed per minute. Just by that average, the way that a, a fight is going to be scored round by round is on damage. I don't know who's going to have more damage. If someone has significantly more damage, they're going to win that round. But if this turns into a volume fight, which is what I expect, the volume advantage is with Rob Font. And again, Aldo hasn't recorded a takedown in his last 12 fights. Mm. So if anybody thinks that Aldo's going to use his BJJ, he is from Brazil. He just hasn't done that since 2014. So why are we expecting that? Yeah, both Rob Font and Jose Aldo coming off wins by decision. This is awesome. Over two and a half rounds, plus 130. Hands down, favorite play on the card for Saturday fight night. Steve, thanks so much. Steve's on Twitter at Combat Sports NBC, and you could read all of his UFC handicaps for both fight night on Saturday and UFC 269, which is next week, all on the website, NBCSportsEdge.com. Steve, take care. Thank you, guys. Not only can you win $1 million on the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet with Sunday Night 7, but another $25,000 is up for grabs by making your picks in the People's Choice Awards. The awards air on NBC and E on Tuesday, December 7th. Download the Predictor app today from your app store. We have given out... Numerous plays heading into the weekend. I'm not even trying to be facetious. My head is spinning with how many bets <laughs> I now have to go back in place when we wrap up the show. So, Drew, it's Friday. You have been lights out in the NBA. I give you credit because you deserve it. Your model has been fantastic with your fatigue factor. Curious to now hear where you're going on this big Friday slate in the association. Man, the rest advantages were built into the opening numbers, sadly, today. So we're going in a different direction. Uh, just if you were curious, the people, there's the odds makers are catching on. I know it. This happens every December. I, I've lived through it enough seasons that I <laughs> knew it was coming. But uh, uh, we'll, you know what? We'll catch some winners regardless. I'm not worried. Uh, if you were curious, there is a nice rest advantage for the Utah Jazz. The Golden State Warriors taking on the Suns again. Although that number, oh my gosh, that's a big one uh, considering uh, how well the Suns played against the uh, Warriors last time out. And then uh, advantage for, as I mentioned, the rest advantage for the Nets against the uh, Timberwolves. However, that's not where we're going for edge of the day. I'm going to go to war with one of these stinkier dogs in the association, the Orlando Magic. They are taking on a Houston Rockets team that is streaking. The Rockets have won four straight and do not think that the front office did not notice that the Rockets were winning a few too many games for their taste because they are starting to ship the lineup around a little bit. We're going to get Daniel Tice some more minutes here. We're, you know, oh, Kevin Porter Jr. He's not feeling great. I think we're going to uh, put, you know, put him on a minutes limit. Actually, you know what? Maybe he's going to miss this game. Uh, I love the rebounding, uh, rebounding kind of rebuilding <laughs> draft pick analysis. Yes. Here. Yes. I, I mean, the, the, the Houston, the Houston Rockets could not be more transparent with what's going on. And I, I can see why, like they have this game against Orlando. They played New Orleans, Pelicans next uh, they can't afford to win these games and expect to get the draft pick that they want to rebuild this franchise so I think that the tank is in 
order for tonight. The plus three for the Atlanta Orlando man. It's not like Orlando is trying to win either, but they're at least giving you an honest effort every time out. They're not very good, um, but they're certainly not pulling their punches in the way that like think about like the Thunder last night. The Thunder completely pulled the rug out from under their team. They were pretty clearly sending a message they were trying to lose. It would not surprise me at all if Houston gives you the same sort of effort here tonight. I think Orlando gets the upset in the Toyota Center in Houston. Not exactly uh, inspired by Houston's quality of play, even in their four-game winning streak of late. So this is a chance for Orlando Magic to finally get a little bit of a uh, a feel-good win here as they continue to remain in the bottom of the Eastern Conference. So you're taking the three with the Magic as well as the money line? Yeah, I think I think split stake is fair there. I think the Magic get the, let's, let's say a Magic win, uh, 98-89. If you call that and that's correct, I'm going to be sick because you've done that before and I could never <laughs> understand how. Uh, both Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr., as you kind of said, banged up a little bit. They've been playing well. Let's take the Magic plus the three for tonight. I'll make this quickly. Drew, myself, Warren Sharp broke this game down pretty in-depth yesterday on Blitzing the Board. That is on our YouTube channel, airing on Peacock up until kickoff. But, Drew, we were in agreement. I didn't have a huge card um, for NFL Week 13. Didn't love this slate, but there was one that stood out to me, and I know we're on the same side here. I took the Broncos plus 10, 9.5. We're looking at 9 now coming against uh, division rival in the Chiefs. Chiefs, two big of favorites here. Um, they're 1-9 and nine against the spread in their last 10 home games, by the way. This is a really big number. So for a few quick reasons, let me say this. Patrick Mahomes, yes, they've been playing better offensively, but the Broncos have now won three of their last four games. Their defense has been outstanding. If you watch them play the Chargers last week, Vic Fangio has this defense playing extremely well. And I think them being able to create turnovers is really going to be a difference maker against Patrick Mahomes in this offense. Do I think the Chiefs get the win? Yes. Close to 10 points, far too many in this importance of a game. The Broncos, as I kind of said, playing better and their running game has been so strong. They've actually rushed for over 140 yards in two of their last Three games, yes, the Kansas City defense has gotten better. Not enough to stop this dynamic run with Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, and, of course, Teddy Bridgewater being able to be that threat as well. So too many points. I like this to be a low-scoring affair. I will take the plus nine now with the Denver Broncos playing the Kansas City Chiefs. We are on the same page here. This should be a competitive contest. Uh, Denver is rostered to do exactly what is made. It's so tough for Mahomes to look good this season. They can play amazing cover two uh, with their secondary. So great look by you. This was maybe our longest show on the record, but an amazing show with a lot of plays. It's a crazy weekend, you guys. Enjoy week 13 in the NFL, the conference championship games in college football. The wild NBA slate, fight night in UFC, so much more. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com. They have you covered with everything else you need to know with, to help you with your wagers. Have a great weekend for your Densick. I'm Sarah Perlman. All of us here with NBC Sports Edge. We'll see you on Monday. Best of luck with all your plays. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. 
when the truth is... I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say... Hang it in there. Because... If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 